Hey friends, this is Michael Bohm with Youth Apologetics Training. Today we're going to keep going with this series about the New Apostolic Reformation. Uh, yesterday we talked about the NAR uh, and their belief that, uh, in well, since 2001, God has restored the office of prophet and apostle. And of course, apostle is first in line, or, or I guess you could say the top of the hierarchy, the, the, the top of the spiritual food chain, and prophet is next down. The apostle receives words from God and angels and who knows what else, and they disseminate to the church, they show the church how to apply it and, and really build that new revelation into their lives. The prophets submit to the apostles, but they also receive revelation, but they must pass it through the apostle. They must submit to the apostle. Again, you find elements of covering theology uh, in these types of crowds. And if you're not familiar with covering theology, I do have a series called Covering Theology, and uh, that'll fill you in there. It is, well, it is the unquestioning submission to a leader uh, who claims to have words from the Lord, and you just submit, by golly, and don't argue. And if you have a problem with something they are teaching or something they're telling you to do, you are in sin. Uh, and it leads to all kinds of abuses of congregations. And, and by the way, when you run with crowds like this, or when you talk with people who are part of these movements, you're going to find people within these congregations all over the place who feel that they've been spiritually abused, uh, many of them will not admit it, but, well, they will admit it eventually. They, It is a very abusive church government. But anyway, going on today, on that foundation of understanding that they are, they are believing that the office of apostle and prophet are back since 2001, I want to talk about extra-biblical revelation. Uh, this is another quote from, again, the C. Peter Wagner, who is for the most part, the founder of this movement. Uh, I guess you can't really say he's the founder, but he's the one that named it, and he is by far the most influential person in this movement. If you could point at any one person and say that's the leader, even though he's not officially the leader, everybody would point at him. All right, this is what he says about extra-biblical revelation. He says, some, ob some object to the notion that God communicates directly with us, supposing that everything that God wanted to reveal, he revealed in the Bible. This cannot be true, however, because there is nothing in the Bible that says it has 66 books. It actually took God a couple hundred years to reveal to the church which writings should be included in the Bible and which should not. This is extra-biblical revelation. Even so, Catholics and Protestants will disagree on the number. Beyond that, I believe that prayer is two-way. We speak to God and expect Him to speak with us. We can hear God's voice. He also reveals new things to prophets as we have seen. The one major rule governing any new revelation from God is that it cannot contradict what has already been written in the Bible. It may supplement it, however. Oh, okay, that one was tough to read. Oh, man, there's so many problems there. 
first of all, guys, there's there's a problem here where he mentions that the nowhere in the Bible does it say it has 66 books. And then he concludes that that was extra biblical revelation. Well, first of all, most of the books, everybody immediately recognized. If we're talking about the New Testament, I mean, immediately recognized this is from the Lord. There were a few books that caused a stir. Uh, the book of Jude, the book of Revelation, and the book of Hebrews. Okay, uh, those are the ones that really caused some debates. All right, but this was not extra biblical revelation. I'm sorry, it is kind of laughable. Nobody said the Lord told no. Nobody rose up and said, "I am an apostle, I am a prophet, or this or that." Or God told me these are the books right here. These are the 66 books that we're going to put in our Bible. No, guys, this Bible we have came about, uh, well, most, again, like I said, most of the books, everybody right away knew. I mean, just you looked at them and you knew this was from the Lord. And they were written by people who uh, had direct contact with the Lord for the most part. And then you have uh, these other books that they were debated upon. This was not a bunch of guys sitting down and entering the silence and waiting for some voice from heaven to tell him, oh yes, and the book of Revelation. You need to throw that into the canon as well. No, I'll do a series on how we got those 66 books uh, sometime in the future. That's going to require a little bit extra studying on my part, and I want to make sure I get everything straight before I bust a series like that out. I suppose another option I have available is I could bring somebody onto the show uh, who has spent years studying that and let them explain it. Uh, that might be a better way to go. But either way, uh, see Peter Wagner is being a little bit deceptive and playing a little fast and loose here. Then he brings in Catholics and how the Catholic Church disagrees about the number of books in the Bible. Well, guys, I, and I touched on this a little bit in my series on Catholicism. I, I spent a couple days looking at the Apocrypha. And guys, uh, one of the things about the Apocrypha is the books just flat out disqualify themselves. Uh, they contradict themselves. They contradict other books of the Bible. And they have all kinds of bizarre, unbiblical, uh, uh, um, fanciful, fanciful, weird stuff going on in them. Uh, they pretty much kick themselves out of the Bible. All right, and if you know, if you'd like to learn more about that, go back and look at my series about Catholicism, where I get into the Apocrypha. Now, here we go again. Here with this, the one major rule governing any new revelation from God is that it cannot contradict what has already been written in the Bible. It may supplement it, however. Okay, so that means by His own definitions here that the Book of Mormon should be considered. Uh, authoritative and scriptural because the book of mormon for the most part okay for the most part does not contradict the bible i know gasps of horror <laughs> if you listen to some of my series on uh, mormonism you'll know that uh, the, it's not the book of mormon where we find the major contradictions it wasn't until uh, the doctrine and covenants and these other writings of mormonism you know, the, the pearl of great price, that's where the major contradictions start coming in. And I mean, they are major. But when you look at the Book of Mormon, it does not contradict the Bible very much. There are, there are some contradictions, and there's definitely some flat-out copying of the Bible, okay? The King James Version, you can find exact 
verbatim, word-by-word quotes straight out of the King James Bible in the Book of Mormon. Because, <laughs> you know, when the Book of Mormon was written down on those golden plates, long before King James English was around, for whatever reason, um, the angel was writing, for whatever the case, somehow King James English was included. But... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, that's uh, this is not a series about the Book of Mormon or Mormons. I'm just trying to you know point this out. So how do we know? How do we know this extra biblical revelation is from the Lord and uh, uh, not just the the product of man? All right. By C. Peter Wagner's criteria here, we're stuck with well, if it doesn't contradict the Bible but only supplements it, it's from the Lord. Well, that's nonsense. I mean, any old person can bust out a prophecy, a message from the Lord, okay? And as long as it doesn't contradict the Bible, I mean, what? That's not good criteria for finding, you know, whether something is straight from the Lord or not. Well, what are some other ways that we can figure this out? Well, uh, it, it does get a little bit difficult. And, you know, we're supposed to scrutinize these types of people who claim to have messages from the Lord. Here's one way. Is the person teaching error? And when you look at these uh, people here in this new apostolic reformation movement, you find nothing but one theological doctrinal disaster after another. All right? When God was moving the original apostles <laughs> uh, in the New Testament and using them to teach the church and in signs and wonders, God was validating their message, and their doctrine was solid. They didn't make big mistakes. And friends, uh, there were a couple mistakes made. And guess what? Right away, these mistakes were dealt with by the Holy Spirit or by another apostle, like, for example, Paul, uh, addressing Peter or confronting Peter to his face about some of the uh, things he was doing with the Judaizers that was a little bit off kilter, okay? It was a little bit strange. He shouldn't have been acting like that. And Paul immediately confronted him. And these doctrinal errors were fixed right away. Right away. The Holy Spirit is not tolerant of bad doctrine. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. And you find people in this movement are all over the board with disasters, theological disasters, and, uh, for example, dominionism, which we're going to talk about that tomorrow. A total theological disaster. Very unbiblical. You find a lot of word of faith type, uh, uh, name it and claim it, positive confession, the very new age concept of the law of attraction. There is no Bible in that. It's nonsense. And the health and wealth gospel, which, again, you find this throughout the New Apostolic Reformation teachers. Health and wealth is unbiblical, and it hurts believers. I dealt with that in my series on the Word of Faith, where I talked about health and wealth, and name it and claim it, and all these other strange things that they believe. The, uh, we are little gods here on earth, running around, type uh, doctrines that are running around, oops, running <laughs> are circulating amongst the new apostolic reformation teachers. Again, unbiblical disasters. All right. What's another way we can tell if this person is a prophet or not? Well, when they make themselves out to be a false prophet. When they claim to be a prophet and they say, the Lord told me this or the Lord told me that, and it turns out it didn't come true. 
That makes them a false prophet. You don't, you don't practice to be a prophet. You either are one or you're not. You don't practice. You have all these popes running around uh, throughout history claiming to be giving out the words of the Lord, you know, ex-cathedra style. They are uh, giving new revelations from God that are completely contradictory to the Word of God. Now, if we ignore the Word of God and we just go on what the popes say, well, I am, I am God's representative on earth. I am the vicar of Christ. I am in Christ's stead. I am sitting in his seat. Well, then, you know, you have nothing to test with. You test with the confirmed true words of the Bible. That's how we know if these people are prophets or not. Do they have right doctrine? Do they contradict the Bible? And do they show themselves to be liars and false prophets? And friends, I'd like to add to that a little bit. And I know, again, I've mentioned this before. It's a little bit pragmatic. But again, when you have these guys running around claiming all these great and powerful big signs and wonders and miracles, and yet nothing is happening, I would say that's a pretty good indication that they're a false prophet too. Now, if something was happening, well, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily prove that they are a prophet either. All right? Satan comes with lying signs and wonders. We know in the last days, craft will prosper in his hands. All right? And these False Christs will be showing up, and false prophets with lying signs and wonders. Okay, so this stuff, we are supposed to expect it. It's going to come. It's going to happen. So just because they have signs and wonders doesn't make them prophets. But I'm contending that these guys are fakes. They're frauds. They're shams. When you look at their signs and wonders, it's always stuff you can't see. And I addressed that in the Word of Faith series as well. You never can see the healings. It's always stuff you can't see. Back pain, stomach pain, neck pain, headaches, uh, you know, diabetes, stuff that you really can't get a finger on. You can't touch it. You can't see it. Nobody walks in there with a missing leg or a missing arm or a missing eyeball, you know. They go up there, they have one eye, and then the prophet lays his hands on their head, and and another eye pops out, and they... <laughs> no, it never happens. It doesn't happen. And so I suppose on that note, I wanted to mention, too, supernatural signs and wonders. See, Peter Wagner said this, I have a hard time understanding why some include this in their list of heresies. Whenever Jesus sent out his disciples, he told them to heal the sick and cast out demons. Why we should expect that he has anything else in mind for us today is puzzling. True, this still pulls some traditionalists out of their comfort zones, but that just goes with the territory. One critic, critic claimed that the NAR has excessive fix has an excessive fixation on Satan and demonic spirits. This is purely a judgment call, and it may only mean that we cast out more demons <laughs> than they do. So what? Well, that's what he said. Huh. Friends, you know, this is a tough subject. There are many people that believe today that the signs and wonders have ceased uh, as far as, you know, the, the more blatant miracle signs and wonders. Rather, they believe that God moves in his providence. So they're still what you would call a miracle, but it's, it's more in God's providence. For example, uh, you're driving down the road, maybe you hit a, a red light, you're sitting there, the light turns green. This has happened to me multiple times. The light turns green, and I just have this feeling to just pause. You know, the light's green. 
and I'm in a hurry. I got to get where I need to go, but I don't slam on the gas. No, I pause. And suddenly I'm looking to the left and the right like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And then some semi just barrels through the red light and just, I mean, would have creamed me, turned me into a pile of soup that they would have sopped up in a bucket, okay? And that is through God's providence, all right? I didn't hear an audible voice of the Lord, just something in me was just held me back. Don't don't go, okay? But again, not a voice. I'm not claiming to be a prophet nor a son of the prophets. You know what I'm saying? And there are times when uh, you could call it a miracle, but it really didn't. Kind of like, well, for example, uh, we had a disaster in our family recently where my wife's father-in-law got, well, T-boned. Kind of like what I just said, except he didn't have that feeling to stop. He's not a believer. And he got creamed. This truck nailed him hard. And the the paramedics said he should have been dead. In fact, well, they, they found him dead on the side of the road. But they were able to revive him. And he lived through it. And paramedics refer to it as a miracle. And the nurses refer to it as a miracle. But that's one of those in the providence of God type events where God helped him through that, hopefully for the purpose of him getting saved down the road. Okay. Uh, in fact, uh, <laughs> Danielle's mother uh, does now profess faith in Jesus Christ. That is awesome. And that just happened recently. I thought you guys might like to know that. Uh, but anyway, these are not instances where perhaps a, an apostle or prophet lays their hand on somebody and maybe they're stone dead. He lays his hands on somebody and then they pop up and they're, they're alive or calling somebody from the grave when they've been uh, stinking and rotting for three days and perhaps even got pumped full of uh, formaldehyde and other embalming fluids. All right? No. No, we don't see those types of things nowadays. Now, perhaps, I'm not arguing that it can't happen. I believe that God can do anything. He is God. But I don't see that coming from these guys. All right? This is a sham, is what this is. You don't see people, again, getting new arms and new legs. All right? And whenever there is some kind of great, awesome miracle, it always seems to happen in a third world country where there's no camera and nobody to witness it. Right? And then all you have is the word of some prophet who later turns out to be a liar and shows themselves to be an adulterer or something like that. Okay? It, I just don't see it, guys. I'm not seeing it. Uh, gross sin amongst these prophets and apostles. Uh, false doctrine and horribly false doctrine. All right? oppressive spiritual tactics on their congregation, covering theology, spiritual abuse. All I see, guys, all I see is bad fruit. It's bad, rotten, stinky, gnarly, fly-infested fruit. <laughs> That's all I see. No, they're not performing signs and wonders, but again, if they were, if you do witness one, a bona fide signs and one, sign and wonder, somebody gets a new arm or a new leg or something like that, that that right there does not mean that they're from God either. You still have to test the fruit. Are they a false prophet? Do they have right doctrine? All these things. All right. So anyway, I'll stop right there. Tomorrow I'm going to talk about dominion theology. Don't miss that. Dominion theology, very dangerous, kind of scary. And uh, the left, friends, uh, your secular media... Uh, your left-wing politicians, they're watching this with a wary eye because, friends, I I'm sorry, but this dominionism has, well, people are comparing it to a Christian jihad movement. And they have, uh, well, they have some pretty good reasons to think of it that way. Let's just put it that way. We'll look at that tomorrow. So, friends, 
If you like these types of podcasts, I urge you to uh, share them in whatever social media platform you like to play around on, uh, if you like to play around on those data mining type websites. Uh, yeah, I urge you to share this content, get this message out, let's equip believers, let's pull believers out of the mud, and let's get some people saved. And so with that, I love you guys, and I'll see you tomorrow.